Welcome back, friends. Good morning, everybody. Lou, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you today? Good, good, thanks. I'm excited. We're getting into some interesting stuff now. Yeah, it's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those of you who um, may not have heard the last episode, which was episode 39, mm -hmm. I believe. Yes. Um, you remember uh, that we had to basically cut it off uh, because it started going on too long. And it, Lou was holding on to the point where we were going to talk about the constituents of matter. Yes. Right, Lou? Remember? Yes. yes. All right. So just as a background, I would suggest, if you can, friends, go back and listen to episode 39 because that will lead you up to where we are today. But I'll just give you a little summary. In episode 38, we looked at Buddha and his two arrows. We talked about Buddha and his two arrows of sorrow. In episode 39, we talked about the difference between prakriti, or matter, and purusha, which is also known as consciousness, existence, or God. That is, purusha is what enlivens the prakriti. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a little kid, I, can I just do a disclaimer here while we get started so people have sure. this early? We are yep. doing these Facebook Live videos here, and you're going to use some graphics today uh, I am. that you're going to use. So you can find us. You should go over to our Facebook page if you're just listening to the audio podcast. You go over to our Facebook page, The Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist. And not only will we have the video version so you can see uh, what the doctor is holding up here, but we will also I'll get a copy of those graphics and we'll post them as well so they can be seen oh, good. more good, clearly. Good. So you guys good. listening on an audio podcast, we're going to we're going to have to mix in some graphics here, which are going to be difficult for you. But uh, you should be familiar with our Facebook page anyway. So just wanted that, to that's a good point, yeah. uh, Lou. But why, if people are listening to this while they're driving, I will try and yeah. read out everything that I'm holding up in uh, my hand as we go on. Uh, so that people are able to do that until they get to the Facebook page. Right. So I was saying, as a kid, I remember, and I don't know who this was, basically said there's life in everything. Mm -hmm. And I said, as a kid, I said, how could there be life in everything? And he said, I'm sorry, forget whether that person said it, life, maybe it was my mom, I don't know. <laughs> life in everything or God in everything? I said, Ma, look at this stone. There's no God in it. There's no life in it. And I think... She or whoever it was told me that life is determined by movement, that anything that moves is supposed to have life in it. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, a stone doesn't move. And she says, well, it doesn't move the way you and I move. We don't, we walk, stone doesn't walk. Right. But a stone moves. I said, how does a stone move? And she says, if you keep it in the ground for millions and millions of years, it changes its shape. And she gave me an example of carbon, a stone, yep. a carbon that turns into a diamond. And I said, oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, mountains, she says, change shape. They get bigger, they get smaller, and so on. So what that led to is this understanding that matter has consciousness in it, and there's intelligence to this movement that everything has. Um, and that intelligence comes from the consciousness, which is purusha, which enlivens this prakriti. So uh, we talked about that, and that the planets are all basically formed with logic and intelligence, that we may think it's very chaotic, you know, that there's a right. big bang theory. And in, in, um, in the scriptures, it says that everything was down to 
a sorry everything was down can you hear me see yeah yeah I, I just got a call so that that, <laughs> that uh, blanked it out no problem um the in the big bang theory it it says it's a bindu which is a small little dot the whole universe is down like one dot and then there's a nada which is an explosion and the whole universe comes about and at that time the thought was that you may think this is chaotic that these right. planets go all over the place but it's not chaotic because every planet is determined to be in the right position for whatever reason there is it's determined at what level the axis is going to be how it's going to wobble on right. its axis and based on that comes the atmosphere and so on so there's a lot of planning behind this and a lot of intelligence but essentially that's what the chaos theory um talks about i want to go back on this because we did it last week the word intelligence and quote and planning it's more that these things react to forces as opposed to as we in the west are used to a guy with a gray beard sitting in a chair deciding that that planet's going to tilt at that angle it, it's it's the end result of forces that these things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well well you're right that there's no guy in a gray beard who is considered god that's sitting up there saying okay this is going to go so many miles per hour right. this is going to rotate at this there's no guy there but and there's no planning in that respect by an individual but there has to be some kind of intelligence within that we don't re yet recognize right mm -hmm. yep for example a lump of carbon that becomes a diamond there's nobody planning that but it goes about right, right? Yep. which are those little insects that cicadas cicadas whatever they yeah. are 17 years they are dormant right, right. they are asleep friends if you don't know this you might want to look it up for 17 years exactly they're asleep and then they wake up and then they breed and then they go back to sleep for another 17 years now who wakes them up how do they know when it is 17 years to the day um butterflies there's, there's unending levels of intelligence that there is between this and lou's question was what kind of intelligence and planning is this and the answer is i don't know yeah um and that the science today talks about this as being an anthropic principle. Have you heard of that, Luke? Yes. Uh, the anthropic principle basically talks about a philosophical, philosophical consideration that any data we collect about the universe is filtered by the fact that in order for that data to be observable, we have it. Ha that data has to be compatible with our own conscious understanding of the universe right, right? Yes. so it's fascinating that yeah. how so when you ask how does that intelligence work i don't know yeah i don't know that anybody knows but it's there I we mean, just by looking at these things we can tell yeah we right? don't necessarily see the true nature of things we see uh, we see the nature of things as we can interpret it as, as we're able to see them yeah, and one of the ways in which our sages told us to understand it is to sort of address it to our own states of mind. For example, deep sleep, dream, and waking state. So what they said is that everything that we experience, the world and the universe experiences it too. Mm -hmm. Maybe they said it like that so that we'd understand it. But they talked about, I, I've mentioned this before, sattva, rajas, and tamas. Right. And there's no English translation for these uh, words. But sattva 
in a human being talks about equilibrium, being calm, being um, generous, kind, all good qualities. Rajas is all activity, all related to self, wanting mm -hmm. to do things for oneself. And tamas is basically inertia, laziness. Right. Yep. When it comes to planets, sattva refers to intelligence, the intelligence that you were just referring to, not intelligence in terms of mathematics or uh, language. Rajas relates to activity of the planets, and tamas relates to inertia. And as with each one of us, when everything is in an equilibrium, it's called laya, laya and or laya. And laya for us means deep sleep. When the universe, everything, sattva, rajas, and tamas are in laya, it's also known as pralaya, then it means that nothing is happening in the universe. When we wake up, that's when right away all the deep sleep, the dream goes away. We say, oh, where are we? What are we doing? What are we doing today? I have to call this one. I have to do this. The rajas starts. That's exactly what happens with the planets. When they wake up, the equilibrium is shifted to rajas, and now the activity starts. And that's when the Big Bang took place mm, and yeah. so on. So that, sorry about this brief delay, and going back to what we did last time, but we wanted to get across that this is what the intelligence of these, this matter is. The, the Prakriti has its own intelligence. Um, and the reason this is important is because this particular verse um, is meant to explain to us that we are not the doers of things. We meaning we as what we identify with as body, mind, intellect. We are not the doers. The real doer is this consciousness that is behind us. Now, that too is not 100% correct, right? Because a computer has in it things that will do everything. But the computer cannot work unless it has either battery or electricity going through it. Right. Is the electricity doing it? No, the computer is doing it. But it cannot do it without electricity. So who's doing it? Is it the computer or the electricity? We, the body, mind, intellect, cannot function without that and living force, the consciousness. Yet the consciousness in and of itself cannot do this, which is one of the reasons why there's a theory as to why consciousness decided to have life come about. Well, because people say, well, why did consciousness have to come about in the first place? Now that it came and created human beings, we as human beings want to get back to being consciousness again. The why come out in the first place in order to experience what it feels like right. is what the one of the theories are, is. So the purpose of this is to explain to us that we are not the doers. If we can only understand that the doer is this intelligence behind our own prakriti, it makes us do things. There is a certain amount, as you said, free will that helps us determine what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But the vasanas behind it, which we created, mm -hmm. are the ones that are going to tell us what to do. It's, it's complicated. It's hard to understand first time. But let's just leave it there. Yeah. And because, other, again, otherwise we'll stop and we'll have to come back to it next time. So this world has 24 components. Those are the parts of this matter. Matter is divided into 24 components, which are called tatva, T-A-T-W-A. And this is known as Tattva Bodha. Tattva Bodha is 24 components to matter. And the five, so it's divided into 
555, that's 15, 555, four times, and mm -hmm. then four. So the first five are the elements. Just so you know, friends, those of you who are listening and driving at the same time, the first five are elements, which are space, air, fire, water, and earth, or solid matter. Mm -hmm. The second are the sense objects, which are sound, touch, sight, taste, smell. I'll show you this graphic in a minute. Then the third are the organs of perception that we have with which we perceive these um, objects of senses. So the ability to hear perceives the sound, the ability to see perceives what sight is, mm -hmm. ability to touch, ability to taste, and ability to smell. But each one goes back to the original element because without space, we can't hear. Without water, we can't taste. Okay, imagine something so dry that there's no water in it and imagine that your mouth has no saliva in it. So there's no water, right. no liquid. Yep. You can't taste it. It could be the most delicious food, but if you make it dehydrated, you cannot taste it. Your saliva has to come out and soak the food and only then you can taste. So taste depends on water, which is one of the elements. The next organs of action, which are corresponding to those organs of perception and the sound elements, which are speech, holding, movement or locomotion, reproduction, the organs of reproduction and excretion. Mm -hmm. And the last four are mind, intellect, memory, and ego. So let's, let me show you this graphic, if I may. I'll hold it up here. And again, if you're listening on audio podcasts, find us on our Facebook page, Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist, to be able to see this, and we'll print out the full graph for you too as well. Can you see this, uh, Lou? Yes, you can pull back from the camera a little bit. There you go, we'll get a little more in, yep. Okay, so the five elements, starting at the top, is space, fire, water, and earth or solid matter. In Sanskrit, is known as akash, vayu, agni, jala, and prithvi. Now recognize that at the very top is the subtlest. Space is the subtlest, and earth or solid matter is the most subtle, um, uh, most least subtle. Uh, gross, yep. least subtle. So why is that important? Because in prayer, in prayer also, we initially go to something that is least subtle. So we have, if you were to want to pray and you would say, imagine consciousness. And you say, what does it look like? I say, consciousness, I don't know. I can't tell you what it looks like. What does it sound like? Right. Right? Consciousness doesn't sound like anything. Just close your eyes and think of nothing. Can't do it, can't do it. <laughs> right. So you need something. And what they did was they said, okay, let's give you stone or clay to imagine that this is God. Shape it in any form you want. Make a stone idol, a clay idol. Not that they recognize and they knew that it doesn't look like this, but they said in order for you to be able to keep your mind on something, you've got to have something that you can pray to. Right. Why stone or clay or some wood or metal? Because this is now prithvi, earth, solid yep. matter. If you take a spoon and you hit it against it, it makes a certain sound. Wood makes a certain sound, or stone makes a different sound. Metal makes a third different kind of sound. 
So each matter has its own quality in terms of sound. It tastes different. If you were to take your tongue and lick wood or stone, it would taste different. Mm -hmm. It looks different. Um, it smells different, wood versus clay versus stone, etc. Um, and what else? And it uh, touches different. So all the five senses are, are thing. Right. Next comes fire. So people at that, when they got to be a little bit higher, would say, put aside the idols of stone or, or clay or whatever, and just pray to fire. Why fire? Because you're giving up at least two senses. You can't touch fire. Right. But you can certainly smell it. You can certainly see it mm -hmm. and you can hear it in terms of the crackling, but you can't touch it and you cannot taste it. So there's three. So then next, next was uh, a fire. And the subtlest was sound, right? Because of the space. So they started praying to Om. So those of uh, us in the West here, when you go to a yoga studio, you hear Om. Yeah. That is supposed to be the subtlest sound of all. And so, basically to get your mind to be able to focus on just that space. Right. So the sense objects now, can you see this okay? Yes, that's very good, yep. Okay, so the sense objects are known as vishaya, which is sound, shabda, or touch, sparsha, sight, which is for form and color, also in Sanskrit known as rupa, and taste, which is rasa, and smell, which is gandha, mm -hmm. corresponding to the appropriate uh, elements. Right. So we talked about the elements, that's five, then the sense objects, which is another five, and now we come to the organs of perception. And the organs of perception are the ability to hear. Are we okay here, Lou? Yes. Ability to hear the ability to see, the ability to touch, the ability to taste, and the ability to smell. Yes. So that's the next five, so that makes 15. And corresponding to that are the organs of action, which is the voice box, which is speech, hands, which is to hold, legs for movement and locomotion, reproductory organs for generation and reproduction, and lastly, the excretory organs for excretion. Mm -hmm. So that's another five, that makes 20. And the last four is mana or mind, buddhi, intellect, chitta or memory, and ahankar or ego. Now chitta here refers to memory, although we've seen before that chitta also refers to uh, existence. Satta, chitta, and um, um, ananda. Mm -hmm. Existence, uh, consciousness, sorry. Uh, consciousness is um, chitta and over here it's memory so let's see where are we so we talked about those 24 elements now the 24 elements have their own way of intelligence they all act on their own in fact prakriti is thought of as a female and in the scriptures it says this female is like playing with her toys and Prakriti is just playing between one toy and another, and each one of these 24 elements is her toy, mm -hmm. and she plays between one and the other. So, but, so, so she plays with all of these elements, and as the play goes on, it is a prapancha, which is a play of five. 
So each one of these is five. The five elements do it, and Prakriti, the female, does this herself. And Purusha is a male who gives consciousness to Prakriti. Is it confusing, Lou? No, I'm with you. No. Okay, good. Uh, and the four Antakarma, Chaturtha, are the four internal, the mind, the buddhi, the mind is all emotions, fears, right. greed, all of these things, desires. Buddhi is the intelligence, the ability to analyze and then decide. Mm. Chitta is memory, and ahankar is ego. And ahankar is the thing that, ahankar and mind together is the one that drags us down. Um, the one who is looking at all of this is the Atma. Yes. So somebody, something, makes us aware that these things are going on within us, right? Something says, I'm thinking of something, I'm remembering something, I'm understanding something, I'm not understanding something. What is that? And that is the Atma. Something that is uh, makes us aware of what's going on, something that makes us look at something or enlivens us. All those organs of perception, of reproduction, of voice box, all of these things that we hear, we see, all of this is coming from this consciousness, which is uh, Purusha or the Atma. In the 24 Tattvas, we find the three Gunas playing their role. So each Guna, which whether it be Sattva or Rajas or Tamas, plays its role in these elements. So maybe not in the air, space, fire, water, etc., but certainly in our sense organs and our organs of perception and our mind, our buddhi. When you're sattvic, you're very calm, you're very peaceful, you do good things. When you're not, when you're rajasic, you're acting. When you're tamasic, you're just being very lazy. Yeah. So the importance of this is to find out that we are not the doers because you identify with the action, you think you are the doer. But just like when you look in a mirror and you see your reflection, you don't say, oh, that's me. Yeah. You say, I know that's just a reflection. This is to make us aware that you are not the doer. You are not the doer, you're only the Atman that is aware of the action that you're doing. So that's the purpose of this whole thing. Um, so I think that's probably what we need to decide. So in verse 28, in chapter 3, it says, the knower of tatwa knows the 24 tatwas, and there's a guna vibhag, which is the knower of 24 tatmas, tatwas, the karma vigham, which are the functions of the 24 karma, and knowing the functioning of the sense organs and sense objects, you know all of the 24. So the wise, all part of prakriti, know about thinking, taking a decision, memory, etc. So I think that's all we know, need to know. Verse 28 says, but he with the true insight into the distinctions of gunas, which are the qualities, right. and actions, knowing that the gunas as senses abide in gunas as objects, is not attached to any of the actions. That's 28. Mm -hmm. And 29 says, those deluded by the gunas qualities of prakriti nature are attached to the functions of the gunas. The one of perfect knowledge should not unsettle the dull-witted whose knowledge is imperfect. Meaning, this may be a little too complicated for some people, yeah. and if they're not able to grasp it, 
do not unsettle their minds. I mean, for those of you who may be interested in this, may be able to grasp it, fine, it's good, it's of interest, but don't go to too much trouble because basically all it's saying is that a large part of what you do, or if not everything, is because of the nature of the 24 elements that you're made of. Right. So we stop here at verse 29, and we'll start back at verse 30. Um, as Lou said, if you want to look at these graphics, if you please go to Facebook and look for the Gita, Memoirs of a Psychiatrist, Lou will so kindly put up these graphics um, on the paper itself, on the pages, right. and you can also see them here on the screen. And I thank you so much for listening. Please uh, write to us about your comments, questions, suggestions, criticisms, etc. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lou.